Over the last few weeks, we've had some really inspirational talks from the book of Ephesians and from the first three chapters. And now we're starting to look at the second half of the letter, which is the more practical outworking of our life in the spirit together. And this week, we're starting by looking at Ephesians chapter 4. So I thought I would just start by reading sort of a few verses from the beginning of the chapter to you. So it goes like this. As a prisoner for the Lord then, this is Paul talking, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So the title that I've been given for today's talk is New Life of Unity and Peace in the Holy Spirit, which you can see comes out of those verses. And relationships are the key. Now we all have relationships both in and out of the church. But this morning what we're really concentrating on is about our relationships within the church. So before I unpack more of what this chapter has to say, I thought it'd be worth just taking a few minutes to clarify what we mean when we talk about the word church. So what we're not talking about, obviously, is a lovely old beautiful building with stained glass windows because we don't have one of those. So that can't be it. And we're not even talking about meeting together in this room on a Sunday morning. This, in itself, is not church. This is a meeting of the church, but it's not church. So what is church then? I know we've all got into the habit of saying, oh, I'm going to church on a Sunday. But actually, you know, that is physically impossible because the church isn't the place. The church is us. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the people of God. So in fact, if anybody says to you, well, yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't belong to a church, you can say, well, actually, that's a load of rubbish. Because as soon as you become a Christian, you become part of God's family, part of his people here on earth, part of his worldwide global church. And actually, you know, that is such a privilege because it means wherever we go in the world, we have family. We have the church. And it was wonderful hearing what, what Emmanuel had to say, wasn't it, about going to Germany and all the different people coming from different countries and coming together. The body of Christ meeting together. It didn't matter that they came from different countries. There was that unity between them because they all shared the one faith and had the one Lord, one God. That is what holds us together. So we all belong to this worldwide global church. But then, of course, we also have the local church, the local community of believers that come together to worship God together and share their lives together. And this is where we do have a choice. And within every locality, there's often lots of different flavours of church, particularly in this country. And now, of course, there are still people today who merely go to church on a Sunday and maybe flip from church to church. But I think it's really important to actually commit ourselves to one church, to belong and be part of that family of God within the locality. And I'm guessing it's fairly safe to assume that the majority of in this room have chosen 
to belong to this church, River Church. And that's what we're talking about today. And it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, if we went round the room and asked everyone to share how or why they came to be part of this church today. We'd all have a different story to tell, wouldn't we? So I thought I'd just begin by, by sharing with you, if that's okay, my little story about how I came to be part of this church. And actually, it all happened rather a long time ago. In, yes. In fact, it began when John and I first got engaged. Yes. And I was at college at the time. He was working in Lloyd's. And we knew we had a year to decide where we were going to live when we got married. And we knew it could be anywhere within commuting distance of London. And so we didn't know where we were going to go. And a very wise man in the church we were in at the time said to us, right, now's the time to start praying that God will lead you to the right place. And he said, oh, there are three things that you need. You obviously need a house to live in, number one. Number two, a job for me when I left college. And number three, a church to join. And he said, of those three things, the most important one is the church. And he said, if you start praying now that God will lead you to the right church, then the other things will just fall into place. Which all sounds very simplistic, but actually, that is what we did, and that is what happened. And we prayed specifically that somebody would invite us to join their church. And one day, somebody in Lloyd's, who John knew, said to him, hey, John, when are you going to come and join our church in Maidenhead? And it was a bit of a throwaway comment, and at first we thought, is this really from God? Maidenhead, that's a bit far out of London. Not sure, not sure. So we decided to test the waters and we came over here a couple of times and we met a few people from the church, like Sandra, (laughs) remember those days? And within about the second or third visit that we came, we found the house that we were going to live in, put an offer in, was accepted, little masonette in Maidenhead. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a job. So it all just fell into place. So we knew it really was from God. And actually, here we are, all these years later, so we must have, been, must have done something right. But I think God has really blessed us because we made church a priority right from the beginning of our marriage. And of course, we have seen many, many changes in this church over the years. Some good, some bad, some very bad, and some very good. But I think the one thing that has kept us here through all the ups and downs, through all the thick and the thin, has been the relationships that we have made in this church. Relationships are key to the development and growth of the church. So, before I move on to the more serious things, oh, must, yeah, before I move on to the more serious things, I'm going to show you something that I think you'll enjoy. And I think we'll embarrass a few people here at the same time. And looking around the room, I'm really pleased to see that all the people I'm going to embarrass are actually here this morning. So I couldn't have planned that better if I tried. So I've just got one of those apps on my phone that enables you to scan old slides and bring them back to life again. Right? Yeah, oh dear, some people are saying. I just happen to have a box of slides in our house dated from 1979 to 1983. So I had a lovely time looking at these slides and seeing photos that I hadn't seen for years, and I thought I might just share a few of them with you. Yes, be afraid, be very afraid, those people. I think you know who you might be. So, starting with this lovely young couple at the back there. 
from 1979. This was a church outing that we went on. I think they hadn't been married very long, though, and this photo was taken. Certainly didn't have any children, and now they've got their grandchildren here this morning. Isn't that wonderful? And isn't it wonderful after the grueling few weeks that they've had to have them here this morning? Moving on to 1980. Oh, who is this guy leading in worship at one on one of our church holidays? And would you believe, still leads us in worship today. Not this morning, Andy, but next week, I believe, yeah? That, you all recognize him? Yeah. Andy, leading worship back then. And from that same holiday, I came across this photo of yours truly. And who, and who is that lovely young man with the tash? Oh, and lots of hair. <laughs> He's going right red. I'm sure I chose well there. Moving on swiftly to 1983. I'm not sure who the boy in the water is, but I'm sure you'll recognize the couple in the boat. They haven't changed a bit in 40 years. How are you, Jeff? (laughs) And Sheila gone next door. Amazing. And from that same holiday, who is this cool dude? One of our leaders in the church back then. Here he is this morning. Hey, doesn't he look good? And finally, a group photo of a few of us going out for ice creams together. Now, I added liner in on the side. I added liner in on the side because I knew she should have been there. And John was taking the photo. But basically, this is four couples plus Paul D, who wasn't a couple at the time, but was with us there, enjoying an ice cream together. Um, and of the four couples, all of us, I think, had just had our first baby a few weeks before this photo was taken. You can see baby Max there. And now I counted up, and between us all, including Paul, I think we now have 21 grandchildren between us. So that's not bad going, is it? I know most of them are Nigel and Karen's <laughs> on the end there. <laughs> but still, we've done pretty well. <laughs> You all recognise Nigel and Karen on the end there? And, and uh, Paul, me, Sheila, Andy and Jeff, just in case you didn't know. So, I just thought you'd enjoy that. Um, and what is the reason that I shared that with you? Partly because I've just discovered them myself and I wanted to share them. But also because I wanted to say that actually I'm really proud of the fact that all these people, all these people were good friends and part of this church over 40 years ago, and are still good friends and part of the church, and all here this morning, which is pretty good. And I think that is actually something to be proud of. And what is the thing that has bound us together all these years? I'm sure there are lots of things, but the thing, the glue that has really held us together is this, the fact that we are part of one body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope when we were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That is the glue that bounds us together, isn't it? And of course, over the years, there have been many others who've come and gone, some we've lost contact with, others we're still friends with all these years later, even though they've moved away. And there have also been, importantly... More people joining us and more relationships being formed that are just as precious and just as important as we go through as a church together. Because relationships are important. 
but, and there is a but, I'm afraid, because we're not a perfect church. There have also, let's be honest, some people who have left our church because of major disagreements over things or because they've been upset by somebody or something that's happened or even, sadly, because they've been deeply hurt by something or something that has happened in our church. And that is really, really sad. It makes me sad. And it makes me wonder why. Why, why do these things happen in a church? Surely it shouldn't happen in a church situation. But it does. And I guess the reason for that is simply because we're human. And because we're human, we're imperfect. And because we're imperfect... Our church is imperfect. I'm sure you've all heard the saying that if you ever do find the perfect church, please don't join it because then it won't be perfect anymore. We are all imperfect and therefore we do sometimes hurt and upset each other even if perhaps we don't even realise we're doing it. So this is why we need the Holy Spirit to help us in this whole area of relationships because it is such a key part of our church life together. So as we look at the passage now, I have managed to come up with the obligatory three headings. The first one is simply receive. Because you see, the thing with relationships, it starts with us, doesn't it? It starts with me. I cannot change other people, but I can allow the Holy Spirit to change me. And that's what's important. So what does it say in the chapter? In verse 21 to 22, it tells us to put off your old self in order that you can be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit into our lives to change us to be more like God because that's what we desire, don't we? And we desire... To, be, to have these qualities of a good friend, not a bad friend. Here, here we have some of these words that the guys have found in verse 2. It says, completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Well, these are the fruits of the Spirit, aren't they? Humility, gentleness, patience, love. Peace. Those are the fruits of the Spirit, and those are the things we want in our lives. If we think these are the qualities of a good friend, the converse of that is that these are the qualities people want to see in us. So we need to make, play our part in, in being positive in our relationships within the church. So then, the next heading I've got is relate. Obviously, we need the Holy Spirit's help as we relate to others. This is what our talk is all about, isn't it? And in, I gave the, um, the, youth, the guys the, a copy of the Youth Bible to find their words. In the verse I just read, it included the phrase, bearing one another in love. In the Youth Bible, it translates it as accepting each other in love. And I just thought that was a really good place to start. We need to accept each other even though they're not the same as us. They're not the same as me. Because we can be a bit judgmental as Christians sometimes, can't we? 
if people aren't like us, they don't think like us, they don't behave like us, you know, maybe they're not keeping up the standards that Christians should have. And we can be very critical and very judgmental. So we need to start by accepting each other as we are, just as God accepts us just as we are. And I think that is a really good place to start because we all know that it's good that we're different, don't we? We would be terrible if we were all the same. It just wouldn't work, would it? As I said to the children earlier um, about the body of Christ, if the body of Christ was just a load of ten hands or ten feet or ten noses, it wouldn't work, would it? It's important that we or, or we accept the fact that we are all different and we all have different things to, to give. And so uh, in, ch- in schools today, one of the phrases that's often banded around is celebrating our differences. Well, this may be a modern phrase, but it's certainly not a modern concept because Paul's image of the church being the body of Christ is such a brilliant illustration of that, isn't it? The fact that we are all different And yet we work together as one, as one body, the body of Christ. And we all have our different parts to play. So it says, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we need to have all the different people as parts of the body, don't we? We need all the different things. And Paul, uh, in his letter, mentions the different gifts of apostles and prophets and teachers and so on. But I think it goes further than that. I think we need people with different personalities. You know, we need the crazy, outgoing people and the quiet, prayerful people. And we need people with different priorities, the people whose priorities it is to save the planet, to save the environment, or to feed the homeless, And the people whose priorities is to help their next-door neighbour. They're all just as important, aren't they? But we all have different priorities and that we follow those. And even I think it's good that we have people with different views on things so that we can discuss and learn from each other, provided that we're not 100% certain that we're right and everybody else is wrong, of course. I think it's good to have healthy discussions on things that maybe we disagree on because it's good to do that, and it's good that we're all different. So we all have a part to play in the body. And also, as a body, it's really good that we support each other, isn't it? And I think, actually, I have to say, I think this is one of our strengths as a church, that we do support each other. You know, I said to the children earlier, you've never seen, have you ever seen a leg walking down the street on their, on their own? Even though Flo thought she had, I don't think she actually had. <laughs> and so, you know, we are so much better when we're part of that body, that we're not trying to do things on our own. And I do think we as a church are good at supporting each other, helping each other, being there for each other praying for each other and particularly at this time when a lot of us are going through different issues in our life we need that body behind us don't we to help us and I think our home groups as well are good examples of this I know particularly in my home group we're very it's so important that we support each other and it's so important to know when you're going through things that you have got people behind you praying for you and being there for you rooting for you and that's wonderful so that is 
that is how we work together as a body to support each other and help each other. And I do think that's something as a church we are good at. But then the next thing, the last one I've put is we need the Holy Spirit help in the way that we react to things. Because despite all I've just said, there may still be times in the church where we do have bigger disagreements with other people, where we maybe are upset by someone else or something that happens in the church. And there may even be times, sadly, where we are deeply hurt by situations that go on or happen to us within the church. So how do we react? How do we react to that? Well, there is some good advice for that in this chapter. Verse 28 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Hey, hang on a minute. Why are you saying this to me? I'm the one who's been hurt and upset here. I'm not the one who's allowed the devil in. It's them. They were the ones who were mean and nasty. You should be saying this to them, not me. I'm the innocent party here. I've done nothing wrong. That's the natural reaction, isn't it? That's the natural reaction. And that is exactly how the devil gets a foothold. If we allow our upsets and our hurts to fester, they turn into anger and bitterness and resentment and ultimately to divisions within the church. And that's not what we want, is it? That is not what we want. So this is when most of all we really need to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us in our hurt and in our upset. We need to allow him to come in and heal us and turn something positive into something that has been negative. Because let's face it, a lot of the upsets within our church are often because of misunderstandings or a lack of communication or simply because we've taken something the wrong way. No one, no one in our church would ever set out to deliberately hurt or upset someone else. However, we can all be guilty of being perhaps a bit insensitive or thoughtless at times, can't we? And we can upset other people perhaps without even really knowing it. So we have to be a little bit more aware of that. There's always two sides, aren't there, to every story. But let us allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us and to turn those negative feelings into positive ones. The very last verse of the chapter says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So we've come full circle, back to the fruits of the Spirit again. Kindness, compassion, and that big one, forgiveness. That's the big one, isn't it? And that's a topic all on its own right, of course. And, of course, it's central to our Christian faith. The fact that God in Christ forgave us means that we can forgive others. But it's not always as easy as that, has it? And, of course, the best advice is not to let the sun go down on our anger. But the one thing I just want to say this morning is it is never too late to forgive. 
Obviously, it's best to do it straight away because the longer it takes, the harder it becomes. But it is never too late. And if I can just share a little personal story on this. Many years ago, John and I were in a situation in the church where we were deeply hurt by a situation by the, by the leaders of the church at the time. And somehow we got through it and moved on and life moved on and it all became water under the bridge. But it was only fairly recently that John felt convicted by the Holy Spirit that he hadn't fully forgiven one of the people who was involved in this. And so he put that right before God. And then we invited this person and his wife around for a meal and, and actually apologized to them for taking so long to forgive them because it was, happened so many years ago. And, of course, this guy was totally unaware how much he'd hurt us, and he apologised unreservedly in return as well. And so there was real healing there many, many years after the event. So it is never too late. And it may or may not always be appropriate to talk to the person concerned, and it may not be possible, but what is important is that we put our hearts right before God that we allow him to take away those negative feelings before they fester and become something worse. We allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with these positive things of love and compassion, gentleness, humility, all the other things that we have from the fruits of the Spirit. So let's allow the Holy Spirit into our relationships in all that we do because our desire, isn't it, to grow together as a church, to be that body of Christ that love and support each other. So, let's receive from the Holy Spirit. Let's allow him to help us as we relate to others. And let's enable him to help us to react to certain situations that are negative and turn them into something positive. And let us make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because at the center of it all, we have one body, One spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Thank you.